Nyata, hello. It's Alison here and I'm the pastor at Sanctuary. And we're a white congregation based on Peck Warren country in Warrnambool. And today I'm reflecting on Ezekiel's vision in the Valley of Dry Bones, a vision where God's word enfleshes the bones and God's breath gives them life. And the multitude are finally promised a return to the land. And you'll find this vision in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. It's tempting to reflect on the bones. The massacre site that is now a fast food restaurant, just a couple of blocks from Sanctuary. The bones which still wash up from time to time on the beach near Peterborough. The baby's bones buried six feet under at the missions. The bones which are scattered across the landscape, left to rot in every lake and valley and hollow, left lying in the paddocks to dry out in the sun. It's tempting to focus on the bones because our history and geography are studded with other people's bones. But to say much more is to risk trauma porn by observing the pain at arm's length, a pain that most of us have not directly suffered. We risk writing ourselves out of the story and out of any responsibility beyond a few heartfelt sighs. So perhaps a better focus is our own dryness. The dryness that happens when people do not connect with spirit. The dryness which has its roots in white supremacy and white violence. The dryness which means that we are falling apart as a people, as a society, as a culture. Because the bones in this landscape were left lying there by people like us. Our ancestors, our families, our churches, our soldiers, our government. The bones were left lying by the men whose names ring out every time Siri gives directions for our major roads and highways and named after them. The bones were left lying by the women who turned a blind eye, by the missions which abducted and abused children, by the churches which adopted a theology of genocide and heartily participated in the colonial project. This is our inheritance, and it is horrific. So what enabled it? Well, the Maori activist and scholar Donna Awatere believes that only a people severed from their own land and culture could have systematically disinherited Indigenous peoples from theirs. In other words, only a people divorced from spirit, self and land, indeed only a culture of dry bones, could have engaged in such horrific violence. And it's this desiccated culture that we ourselves inhabit and are shaped by. And this disintegration of a people that we see all around us that are ours to acknowledge and to tackle. To people like us then, God's question is posed. Mortal, can these bones live? Well, Ezekiel, who's been brought by the Spirit to stand among the bones, a place where he cannot avoid the horror, 
has no real answer. Lord God, he says, you know, because he, Ezekiel, doesn't. The horror is too great, the inheritance too shameful, the people too detached from their ancestors, their land and the spirit of love and life. They are in pieces. They have disintegrated. They lie scattered across the valley of death. Can these bones live? God alone knows. Well, God tells Ezekiel to preach the word to the bones, for then God's breath will enter them and they shall live. And why does God do this? Because then you shall know that I am the Lord. Not money, not violence, not property, and not Christian triumphalism. When these bones live, we will see that white supremacy is not Lord, and capitalism is not Lord. Nothing which brings death and domination is Lord. Only the Spirit, which brings life and healing, is Lord of this suffering world, this dark valley, these dry bones. So Ezekiel preaches to the bones, and suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. There were sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them. And gradually the bone-dry people are stitched together. They are integrated, they're given flesh, and yet still they do not live. So God tells Ezekiel to preach to the spirit, the breath, the wind. Now spirit, breath and wind, they're all translations of the Hebrew word ruach. They are the feminine life force which emerges from God and which represents God's presence. And so Ezekiel preaches to the spirit saying, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Well, as he does so, the people newly enfleshed take a breath and then another and then another and with every breath they are filled by God's Spirit. They are transformed. They're given life. They are created anew. They begin to stand a great multitude and perhaps then they look around at the land. For Ezekiel's words were spoken to a people in exile. In Ezekiel's understanding, they had broken treaty with God, and so Jerusalem had fallen and they had been taken to Babylon, victims of empire and invasion and the famine that comes with war. Like the Cornish who were invaded, dominated, subjugated, forbidden from speaking their own language, their crops shipped off to England while their children starved, and were then encouraged to move to this continent. My ancestors. Like the poor in England who in hunger and desperation stole a loaf of bread perhaps, or gloves or a handkerchief, and were sentenced to colonial exile for the term of their natural life like the starving Dutch or the starving Irish or the Anabaptists who were shoved and shunted around Europe and who sought a safe place where they could farm 
undisturbed and practice their faith. Unlike so many other peoples who were persecuted, dislocated, dispossessed, and who in their own disintegration and trauma came here and created fields of dry bones, even as they themselves dried out. But God's word can enflesh them. God's spirit can enliven them. And in exile, they can stand a great multitude. To people such as these, God promises to raise them out of their graves and to bring them to their own land. But what is this land? Well, there is, of course, a great danger here, and that is to interpret this promise through a colonial lens. It's these words taken out of context that justify the dispossession of Palestinian peoples and the establishment of modern Israel a project heavily supported by Christian triumphalists who believe that Jesus will return when Israel is on the land. And it's these words which, taken out of context, were used to justify the colonisation of this continent and the Americas and so many other places. The promise of land linked with God is very, very seductive. But it is the Lord who makes these promises. And who is Lord? Not money, not violence, not property, and certainly not Christian triumphalism. White supremacy is not Lord. Capitalism is not Lord. Nothing which brings death and domination is Lord. And so colonisation cannot be of God, not here or anywhere else. Only the spirit which brings life and healing is Lord of this world, this dark valley, these dry bones. And so our work must be to listen to God's word for the life force, for the breath which animates us, for the wind which whips us into solidarity and into joy. Indeed, our work is to allow the spirit to bring us back to life as we face our own pain. We speak the truth of our history and acknowledge our ongoing complicity in colonial systems of wealth and power. And we do these things not because it's all about us, but because until we do our own work, we have nothing to offer anyone else. We face up to our own pain and the dislocating trauma that has been passed down through the generations so that we can hear the pain of others and stand in meaningful solidarity. Our work is also to preach to our own culture, this culture of dry bones. It's to proclaim God's living and life-giving word to a fractured society, to a people torn apart by capitalism, by whiteness, to a fragmented people living far from their ancestral communities and disconnected from the land. We must preach to the Spirit to breathe new life into these bones. We must beg her to bring about communion with God, with each other, and with the land. And finally, I suggest our work is to attend to the land itself. I will place you on your own land, says God. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken 
and will act. Whether by our own choice or whether through the forces of history, the fact remains that we live on stolen land, a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded, a land whose ancient living culture was violently disrupted, a land which was turned into a field of bones. We cannot change this history. And most of us have no way of going back to the places our ancestors came from. So what does God's promise mean for settlers in a colonised country? Well, it's true that some Indigenous folk and activists wish we'd go home, and this is entirely understandable. But perhaps there's another way. As Bunurong man and Cornish man Bruce Pascoe writes, we're stuck with each other, and we're stuck with our history. And yet the lies we have told about history have quarantined us, separated from our soul and soil. But if we listen for the word which brings life and love, if we do the hard work of grappling with our own painful inheritance, if we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us from within, and if we humbly attend to the land and her peoples, could the land herself claim us? Could even we exiles hear her voice and realise we've been home all along? Pasco writes of a riverside nap, I woke, staring into the branches, the sun several degrees lower in the sky, and the feeling that someone had been whispering while I slept. Was it the gentle river breeze? The fantail's wing, the fluttering prayer flags of the leaves, or was it all of them? The land. I felt the spine of her pressing against mine, and a mighty reassurance swept over me, as it has done so many times before. You are home. You are welcome. And he continues to say, if we do the right thing by the land... Justice and peace will flow to its people. The hard heads of politics laugh at such ingenuous faith, but how can they know it won't work if it's never been tried? Mortal, can these bones live at peace with spirit, self and land? Only God knows, but I wonder. In the name of the one who continually breathes life into the world, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. The words from Bruce Pascoe you'll find in convincing ground, learning to fall in love with your country. The extended quote is from pages 247 to 8, and there are a few other snippets in the piece. Donna Awatera is cited in Ched Meyer's book, who will roll away the stone, and you'll find that on pages 132 to 33. Now there's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. And this week there's a piece setting out why we must insistently and publicly stand with Indigenous and LGBTIQA plus folk in our lives and in our witness. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. 
If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal. You can find the details for this on the website. Or if you've got some money to spare, give it to an Indigenous organisation who need funding and need your support. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequorong people of the Eastern Ma Nation, a land which is taken by force and has never been ceded. This week the air resounds with the love song of crickets. I pay my respects to ancestors and to elders. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen.